everyone. I hope you are having a nice day. It's me, Richard Terring. You're about to listen to my Leicester Square Theatre podcast, which is free. Hooray for free stuff. But it does cost us money to do it. If you feel that you could contribute in any way to us, that would be lovely. You can go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges and buy a badge for a pound or more or a pound a month if you wanted to really help us out or more. Uh, or you can go to Go Faster Stripe and buy a DVD of mine, or you can go and see me on tour. If you go to richardherring.com slash gigs, you can find out if I'm coming to your town on my Lord of the Dance SETI tour. Uh, and all the money you give for those badges, by the way, will go to fund future internet content. So if you like the stuff we're doing, if you think it's worth a pound a month, or even just one pound, then please go and donate at gofasterstripe.com slash badges, or just tell your friends about these podcasts anyway without further ado let us listen to richard herring's leicester square theater podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome to the leicester square theater please welcome a man who currently has chafed nipples it's richard herring thank you very much yeah, I did a little dance there. I'm feeling a bit better than I was uh, the last two weeks. I'm still a little bit ill, but uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Or the summers, the cooler people have started calling it just recently, just in the last couple of weeks, they've started calling it Rahalastapa. That's right, it comes from the Leicester Square Theatre. That's why it's called that, if you ever wondered. And uh, the lots, also, I have got uh, slightly chafed nipples at the moment. You know what that's like? I forgot to put lube on my nipples. You know what that's like, sir, don't you? If you've been there, it's because I'm doing a lot of running. I'm running uh, the, uh, the Royal Parks Half Marathon at uh, the weekend as we're recording this, as you see this or listen to it, like, will already have happened. I'm hoping I die cause, uh, on the run because you get loads of sponsorship, don't you, if that happens? So that is, uh, if I am dead now from running, then, you know, please donate some money to Scope. Uh, but uh, everyone's got a bit, that's made everyone a bit sad. <laughs> I thought people would be happy at the idea of me. I'm glad that I am dead. If I am dead... <laughs> And, I, and as long as other people uh, benefit from my demise, that is all, that, and that I'm on telly and I'm famous. That is all that, it doesn't matter if I'm dead, it doesn't matter. So I went out running, I did like an 11 mile run uh, the other day, really fast, it was me too, I run now as, I don't know if you listen to my snooker podcast, Me One Versus Me Two Snooker, do you listen to that, madam? No, I'm surprised, that's surprised. I thought, I thought this lady would be a prime uh, l- listener of that but she apparently does not like snooker podcasts uh but i've, I've taken me one and me two out of the uh, snooker arena and away from the the snooker board uh, and they now go running against each other and me too was running and he ran much better he's gonna actually be running the actual half marathon i've been playing them off against each other you look at me like i'm insane uh and uh, but the me too forgot you've got to put like uh, vaseline on your bits when you run a long way, if you run 10 miles, yeah, when you're looking at me like there's something perverted. When you go on a long race, there are men and women standing at the side of the race just with hands full of Vaseline, just like that, holding them. You go, this is not the time, mate. You know, you are very... I would love for you to get, have anal sex with me. I'd love to be the letterbox to your postman, but this is not the time. I'm in the middle of a race. So I got... I, got, anyway, I, I quite liked uh, getting sensitive nipples. They kind of hurt because my nipples aren't very sensitive, generally, because I'm a man. And, some, and I think some men do have sensitive nipples. I don't know. But ladies obviously have quite sensitive nipples, as I understand it. And it gives me a little... I mean, they're painful, but kind of... gives me a little entry into that world. It doesn't seem fair to me that 
my nipples aren't that sensitive unless a shirt rubs against them for 10 miles. I think that's unf an unfair thing. But it's nice, to, it's nice to have some sensitivity in my nipples, madam. That is what I'm saying. Don't look embarrassed. It's, it's a perfectly natural. We've all got nipples. Why have men got nipples, eh? What's that about? What's going on? What's that about? Why do we... It's because we're all built to the same template, and so they, the males need them as well as the females. If you buy, uh, if you buy uh, Talking Cock from uh, me on tour, you can find out all about that. It's in there. That's why men have nipples, because of that. Anyway, that's gone well. The nipples material, that will work. Uh, today, uh, the Lib Dem uh, conference, uh, Nick Clegg uh, said, uh, moon on the stick. Trying to, he's showing that he's... Uh, he's showing he's in with the kids. He likes... He likes the 1990s TV show Fists of Fun, now available on DVD. It was the moon on a stick. It was a phrase, it wasn't actually a phrase we originated. It was a thing that both mine and Stu's grands used to say. That's why we, uh, so it's a, it's a phrase that pre-existed, I don't know. But if in the next couple of days, Nick Clegg says, David Cameron in his suit and tie. <laughs> or egg wiener curry, like a curried egg. She said she likes eggs. Uh, then you'll know that he's trying to get in with the young voters. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even chosen Little Britain or the Fast Show, which would have been, if he's going to go retro, would have been better. Uh, what else has been happening? No, I was in Belfast yesterday, which I, it was a very I did an enjoyable gig. I'm doing uh, my tour. Lord of the Dance Settee has begun. Uh, do come and see me if you get a chance. Uh, and um, it's nice to go to Belfast. I'm always trying to unite the Protestants and Catholics. <laughs> Uh, get them together in mutual hatred of myself. So I always, I always take the piss out of both sides in the hope that they will be so furious that they will forget their differences. But it's difficult because I was born uh, on July the 12th, which is quite an important day uh, in the Protestant <laughs> um, calendar in, uh, in Northern Ireland and the world. Uh, and also when I was a kid, my favourite colour was orange. So that is, I mean, that's, that's a bad start for the Catholics, but I don't like bowler hats or drums or, um, or people throwing rocks at me over a massive fence. I don't like those things. So, you know, I, I think on balance, I was... Uh, if you were from Northern Ireland, you'd have liked that. They enjoyed that last night in Northern Ireland. Uh, and uh, I'm a bit scared about the tour because there are currently uh, 110 comedians on tour in the UK this autumn, uh, which is more than usual. There's usually about 20 or 30, and I can, I can weave through and make a sort of vague living when it's 30 comedians, but when it's 110 comedians, I'm a bit scared that I'm fucked. So I need, and if you look out into the audience tonight, you'll get an idea of why I'm terrified <laughs> that my career may be over. So buy a, buy a badge, just buy a badge. I don't even get the money. Uh, so yeah, look, that's, that's pretty much all I was gonna uh, talk about before we get on our, our guest this evening. He is probably best known as the voice of Tud in One Star, which I'm guessing, I'm guessing was a show about the best review he ever got. Uh, he's also, <laughs> he's also of course best known for being in Spicks and Specs, which sounds a lot more offensive than it actually is. Will you please welcome Brendan Burns, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Brendan Burns. Brendan Burns, pull up, a, have a microphone. Pick up that microphone and you'll need that to. <laughs> Those Burns. are actually credits that I'd forgotten. <laughs> what was uh, one star? 
One Star was a animated series. Hold that near your face. You don't know anything about being a comedian. Uh, no, no, I'm very loud. Though. Okay, you are. Though. You, 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 you I judge normally it. have to keep it quite a bit away. What a lovely crowd you have as They're well. I've done shows here where there's only 100 people in, and they give me fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they sit there with folded arms and go, "Let's watch you sweat, Burns. You cunt." No, you. You're like, "Go on, Rich. We're yeah, behind right. you. Yay! <laughs> Let's pretend there's heaps of us." <laughs> See? Look at that! Very, very you even nice. let the ride laugh. My lot wouldn't do that. <laughs> My lot would go, ha ha. <laughs> what was one star? What was it? What was uh, that was an animated series yeah. put together by Stu whose son was working on it. Oh, okay. And what's his name? Greg? That's in Fresh Meat. Oh, uh, Greg. Greg. McHugh. McHugh, yes. Okay. He was uh, he was the lead in it. Okay. And myself and Phil Nickel were uh, opposing heads of the same uh, alien. Okay. So, uh, and he was like this camp thing, and, and I was this loud Aussie ochre homophobe. <laughs> how, did you get, how did you get that part? Of me. How did you get that role? That seems, uh, that seems a stretch. It's just the fucking accent. You people are too comfortable with it. I, uh, I, I'm really sorry, but I, I, I've got a burp and a cough yeah. waiting. Okay, we well can go for it. That like I we chugged can, we, a monster we and can smoked edit. an electric cigarette just before I came out. Yeah. And I think there's like a bit of. Uh, does anyone smoke electric cigarettes? No, they're, they're, I think they're oil vapor. So I've got like oil vapor and a burp. So I, somewhere I'm going to burp a smoke. Okay. That sounds more dangerous than cigarettes though if you're smoking you're smoke, you can't replace cigarettes with like oh I'll, I'll smoke some oil instead well, you, it's a big trade off because yeah. I look like a meth addict because it gives you zits and you have to the first one you have to ask for the vegetopropyl oil or something like that right the propylil uh, the one that's like there's VG and there's PG and okay. uh, these aren't Censorship ratings. No. And the PG one is uh, loads of protein oil in it, and it gives you fucking cold sores. Right. And part of you is kind of weighing it up versus smoking, going, eh, cigarettes or herpes? I don't know. <laughs> How committed am I? Don't they tell you that when they sell them to you? Say you want yeah. to, it's good, you'll stop smoking, but you no, will no, look like a. They didn't know. You've got and the then plate. Loads of people reported oh, it. Really? Gave me herpes, and we were going, we had no fucking idea. <laughs> to be honest, we knew we were dealing with smokers. <laughs> we knew you'd go through a lot. They must put herpes in it for you to get herpes off it, though. That, is, that must be one of the ingredients. You don't just get herpes. I think I ordered the extra herpes. Okay. <laughs> just been... You need revelations on this show, don't you? Like, yeah. I, you need me to say I've got like. What did Stephen Fry say? Try and kill himself yeah, or something? Yeah. Do you need me to say I'm in ISIS? Or <laughs> I've got AIDS. ISIS. I started ISIS. If you chopped my head off, that would be quite a good... Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a coup. <laughs> that would be amazing. That'll up your sponsorship. It will. Fucking <laughs> cunt's headless. <laughs> They're going, yeah, he deserved it. And the thing, you've got to cut off people's heads who aren't, don't deserve it. And then that's, that's to be in ISIS. Because it's like the Jeremy Clarkson thing, which has happened recently for people at home. It's like, what do you think, like, if they cut Jeremy Clarkson's well, head it's off, like, the West the, would be like, eh. in the, I think they would. It's like, in the, it's like they go, in the UK, everyone's been very annoyed with them, but going, oh, next time you'll probably be taken off TV. Goes to Argentina, they start throwing rocks at him, and, and no one's going, oh, how terrible for Jeremy Clarkson. going, yeah, why didn't why did, why, why why? we think of doing that? Exactly. <laughs> why are you such pussies about Jeremy Clarkson? I think... 
Jeremy Clarkson is what every English person is really holding in. <laughs> you know, just like you, you spot it when you're in Australia. Of like, if you get into an altercation or an argument with a guy sometimes, and then eventually, like, you thought you were friends, you thought you were on an even keel, and then it'll come out like, I'm not having this from a grubby convict. We used to earn you. <laughs> you don't have it in you. No. You don't. No, I don't. You're, you're pretty much face value. Thank you. I, am, I believe it honestly. But I think Jeremy Clarkson's playing a kind of a role. As you know, that's what he's. I, I think Jeremy Clarkson and Stuart Lee are very, very similar. <laughs> but what I do, I think. But one of them's left wing and one of them's right wing, and they both but say. But they both have a cunt of an audience. <laughs> yeah, they do. But they both say. Oh, they, terrible fucking they both crowd. Say the, they both say what the thing that they know will r- wind up the, the opposing. Don't get me started on Stu's audience. Bunch of fucking satchel carrying cunts. <laughs> they were so fucking unfunny, they'll laugh at the simplest of subtext on the off chance he throws them a fish. <laughs> fucking, fucking kill me. They're the worst. They are the, the worst, worst people, people in the world. My audience are very nice people. They are, they are gen- lovely. When I do gigs with other comedians, like if I'm doing a, you know, an Edinburgh preview or something, the other comedians go, your audience are so lovely and they get proper jokes and they're nice and they're giving and they don't, they don't take the piss. They don't, you know, they don't laugh at everything, but they laugh at the good stuff. But they are. You notice it from the... I think Stuart Lee's audience, and I like Stuart Lee, but I don't, don't like lie. half of his audience I'm talking about, really. Uh, but they think, if they think by liking Stuart Lee, that means they're as clever as Stuart. No, I, I think they actually think because they've discovered a single subversive comic that makes them an aficionado, which makes you the polar opposite of it. And then they profess to understand irony. Fucking cunts and retards. Mongs. Mongs, Richard Herring. Fucking mongs. You can say that if you wish. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's very you know insulting to mongs. He got into a bit of trouble over Mongate, didn't you? I d- well, I didn't really. All I said was you should think about using the words whether you want to use them. You can use any word you like. Okay. And, uh, Spastic you, uh, niggers on ice. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's fine. Anyone? But at least you're using that in a thoughtful way. I think the... <laughs> I think the uh... It was actually... I was talking to uh, Una. Uh, what is Una's surname? Chaplin. Uh, is that she was the, the, for the head of diversity at Channel Four? No. Oh, Una. Yeah, Una. And um, she's going to run for mayor. Yeah, the, the Labour MP. Great lady. Yeah. Really funny. What's it? Una King, is it? Una yeah. King. Thank you. Great lady. And we were talking backstage, and I think she'd had a rather preconceived notion of, of the kind of person I was. But I, I think funny is a language, and it involves a trust and understanding between people, right? And that's yeah. why you skirt in and out of things. And I, and I did this joke to her, but I couldn't say it to the crowd because she said, well, of course, there's no, there's no buzzwords at Channel 4. And I went, really? Then how come you knock back my spastic niggers on ice idea, right? <laughs> she pissed herself laughing. <laughs> but every white person in the room went, I don't, she's laughing. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, Louis C.K. had a tough time when he first came out here. Yeah. And people didn't have the trust. I have a theory that, like, let's go back to this about the Jeremy Clarkson is, I think, what English people are holding in is I don't think English people on the whole, you trust yourselves to be a decent human being. I think you're, you're a very repressed nation. I think you're holding a lot in. And then, of course, when we look at the local elections, turns out you're fucking right. <laughs> wow, you really are holding a whole bunch in. I live in the East Midlands borough, and there were six right-wing parties on my ballot. And one of them, this wasn't even a name, I refuse to name them, right? Uh, and this, was, this, was, this, this wasn't a leaflet. That was handed to me. Right? This, this, this was actually on a ballot box with a box next to it for you to tick. And it said, I am English, not 
European <laughs> and not British, which is a weird commitment. Right? <laughs> and the not was in capital letters. And I was like, you know, when your ballot box starts to look like the rantings of a Twitter troll, <laughs> it's probably time to step up. Because I, I, I guess I, I fuck with English liberals quite a bit, even though I, I agree with everything <laughs> that they have to say. But there's just something... The, uh, well, I, I certainly when it comes to voting, you have to understand the difference between a disappointing friend and a deadly mortal enemy. Yeah. And uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> I started talking. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so when Lee, Louis C.K. came out, and like now everyone loves him because they've seen him in front of an audience that gets him and trusts and understands him and realises that he's a decent guy that's skirting with conventions of taste. Yeah. But when he first came out here... When people are in the room, they don't really have that immediate... There's not that immediate trust and understanding between audience and performer here, I think. Yeah. You have to work on it. It's true, yeah, but all those things you're saying and all those words you're saying, if, the, if they're used... It, all that my point is, is about any of that language, any of the racial or the tableist or any sexist language, they're powerful words. And so to use them flippantly... Thanks to you! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> they were powerful. But to use them flippantly without thinking, which is what was happening at the time of that particular incident, uh, is, is pathetic, right? So you can still... You can use them in a comedic way, in an, in an excited way, because they are... Important words. It devalues language to not understand that. So I think all comedians, all good comedians, know how powerful language is. And that you never ban anyone from using a word. I just would just say, think about with that, with with the disabled ones, with mong and spastic. You sort of think, well, who are you? Why are you picking on? The, <laughs> why are you picking on the weakest members of society? Well, you know, why do that? You know, at least at least have the bravery to do. Hello, niggers. You know, if you're going to be, do that. Do that, which would surprise, would be a really challenging thing because you're really not allowed to say that, but you're allowed to say what you like about it. That's true, indifferent. Like, uh, I, I really, it's so fucking lame and condescending to say it, but I really crave black approval. I really want a black audience <laughs> because I do black gigs in America and I had no idea Australians are huge. <laughs> in the black community. Did you know that? Crocodile Dundee was massive <laughs> in the black community. So, and because growing up, the reason that I think I like to talk about race is because I grew up on black American comics, right? And so, like, it sounds, I know it sounds lame and condescending, but please understand, the first comic I ever saw was Flip Wilson, a black American comic, and that's when I decided that at the age of nine, this is what I want to do with my life. Then I was a massive Richard Pryor fan, and then I was a massive Eddie Murphy fan, and, and it took me years to realise that I've tried to emulate black American comedy, which is why I've been punched a lot. And, <laughs> but you know how like white rappers feel that they won't be proper rappers until they're accepted? By, 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 by a black community, I feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then when I go to the States, we're fucking massive. <laughs> massive, to the extent where I can go to parts of LA, that I can go south of the 10, right? Uh, and there are, people will tell you, you go south of the 10, they're fucking petrified, and it's a myth. It's a myth. You can, I, uh, our friend, Paul Provenza, he's like, yeah. what are you doing going to Popeye's chicken? Popeye's chicken is like, uh, it's Louisiana chicken, it's the most bulletproof fucking building you've ever seen in your life. Like, seriously, you go to a Swiss bank, it's, it's less bulletproof. And it's like, supposedly like a rough, dangerous area. And I, whatever the Australian equivalent of Uncle Tomming is, like, I fucking Uncle Ocker it up. 
like you wouldn't believe. Like, they're just like, you know, they, they'll come up to the car through the drive-thru and Prevan's just like, you sure about coming this part of town? And I'm like, watch this, mate. And I'm like, G'day, mate, you fucking going? Fucking. They get spoons out. There's a track lining that. And they're all like, you Australian? Motherfucker! And so you do black gigs like in Times Square and I really am ozering it. I'm whoring myself <laughs> immensely. Like, just... And every time without fail, there's always like a voice in the darkness that just goes, Motherfuckers sound like the Crocodile Man! <laughs> and I... Little nine-year-old Brendan is so fucking happy inside when that happens. So, who am I talking to? Because you're kind of a crazy comedian who like has two different personalities within them that you exploit. What's that about? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so you got. How's that working out for you? <laughs> but you got. Are you Brendan tonight or are you Burnsy tonight? Which one am I getting? Because you did a trilogy of shows about that, that, the difference. That wound Brendan me up in a mental institution. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm slightly worried. That's why I'm kind of interested in this because I'm, I'm st- examining the dichotomy within each performer as well, and well, I'm I worried about that. So. What was what was interesting about the first one was I just all I really did uh, it was a real cheap trick, but all I really did was I did two halves, and one half was my uh, my on stage persona turned up, and then the second half was me supposedly me, and all I actually did right still the same guy riding both halves. And um, all I actually did was soften my accent in the second half (laughs) and sound a little bit English. And every reviewer, without fail, said, in the second half, he is erudite and blah, blah, blah. I "I sound like you, you shallow cunt. (laughs) That's all you needed. Uh, And then the the second part was certainly what drove me mad. And that was, and I will say this to anyone, about anything that, you know, anyone that does, I suppose, I hate the word catharsis because it seems to be the modern word of quick fix. Yeah. You know, I think it's been bastardised. But anytime I think you do expository or, or uh, not necessarily navel-gazing, but any stuff that's kind of trying to look into your inner psyche, anything that happens in your life that's damaging, right, when you're really making a living out of that, there is a small part of you that no matter how horrible things get, there is a small part of you going, yeah, but this is a good 20 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, if I fucking, if I try and commit suicide, right, and I survive, that, that's, that's an Edinburgh hour, <laughs> isn't it? I can get shitloads out of that. And what I was doing at the time was I was trying to write these perfect shows that would come up with this final magic button. So I would begin the show, with, it was about my breakup. And I would talk about all these things that really hurt, that were really painful, and it's killing, absolutely killing. And then at the end, I do this final analysis, you know, in this this let go moment, in this, you know, pitch perfect, you know, uh, narrative, end to the narrative. And a lot of people walked away from it and still to this day come up to me and say, you know, I ended up getting help off the back of that. That show helped me a lot and everything. But then I'd get up the same night and still start doing the same shit all over again and doing the same stuff that was painful. So you're tearing the roof off the place, but inside you are trying really hard not to top yourself. And and that's how I ended up in the nut house. (laughs) And in the end, they, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw Satan twice. Did you? Yeah. As a result of... The self-examination, or was this because of the stuff you were? Were you? Were you, uh, yeah, were you going crazy? Mushrooms and, and cocaine, yeah. not a good mix. No, <laughs> not a good mix at all. Uh, 
<laughs> Glenn Wall's got that great joke about it, isn't it? The last thing you want with hallucinations is confidence. <laughs> Did Satan say anything to you when you saw him? It might have been the actual one. Uh, well, it was in the show, and it was obviously a voice in my head, but I saw it twice. Once was the girl I was then dating, uh, and you're going, how do you know it's Satan? And you're going, <laughs> we've made Satan up. <laughs> and trust me, you'll know when you see him. It's very clear. And it was a, actually, it was a voice in my head and her face just all of a sudden just turned into flames and like blue flames for the mouth and eyes. And then there was this voice in my head that said, I will use and betray you like no one ever has. And you can't stop any of this because you care that much. And then the hallucination stopped and everyone in the party was looking at me going, what's wrong, Brendan? <laughs> and I was like, oh. Uh, and then the second time was uh, looking in the mirror. Oh, no. And so it's an evil that, you know, it, it, it's a personification of evil that we've yeah. manifested. But it's, it's I, don't, <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, you'll get a good 20 minutes. <laughs> but we were talking about the crazy side. So, yeah. so we, we bring it back to the, um, uh, the Englishness. And working in the English circuit, we are under scrutiny a great deal. We are under... Uh, the, there's a critical process here that... Uh, and I can't blame critics because I'm a comedian and I watch a comedian. There will be 15 minutes where my mind wanders. I can't focus on what someone's saying for an hour. Mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that, that is a skill. But one of, the, one of the worst things that can happen to a comedian is... This is quoting, I think, George Carlin. And that is one of the worst things that can happen to a comedian is worrying whether people think you're clever or people think you're a decent person. Because, uh, and it takes two decades of doing this, doesn't it, to let go of outcome, to let go of perception. Because really, jokes are all about ambiguousness. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, you know, broken down to their most base form it is taking something from one context, putting it in another context. And, and, and in the UK, everyone darts around and throws irony around incorrectly, uh, uh, <laughs> professing all the while to have a monopoly on irony. Uh, I don't know if there's any irony in that. Uh, <laughs> but you, you often have people kind of scrutinising you and presuming to, to comprehend your work better than, than, than you do. Yeah. And then after a while, you let that get to you and you start to then explain what you're doing because you're so worried about being misunderstood. And then <laughs> I had a bit of a boon. Only recently, uh, uh, I've become friends with this Canadian comedian, John Hastings. He only knows me sober and sane, right? And he keeps hearing these stories, and he's like, I just can't see it. I, I just can't see it. And then um, it, it was the beginning of my friendship with a, 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 a co-friend of ours, uh, Paul Provenza. Uh, this used to be, we were talking about this before as well, right? Yeah. So uh, this used to be my answer machine message. Uh, this is back at the height of my insanity is my answer machine message didn't used to be an answer machine message. It was just me being really fucking outraged and angry about this pizza shop in Muswell Hill <laughs> whose, whose menu didn't have enough toppings on them. And the thing that really got my gall was they had a pizza. Like a, I can still go there now. Right? <laughs> they had a pizza called a chicken extravaganza. Now, sir... Extravaganza. <laughs> to you, that conjures up lots of chicken. Lots of chicken? And what else? 
Maybe just an extravagant... Anything goes, doesn't it? You know what's on a chicken extravaganza at the fucking pizza shop house in Muswell fucking Hill? Onions. <laughs> I know. Thank you. See? Validation. Fuck those cunts. Right? And they then said, don't bother leaving me a message. Here's their fucking number. 0181. And I listed the number and said, go and tell these cunts what fucking extravaganza means. And Paul Provenza said, he listened to this message. He taped it. It's about five minutes, apparently. And he's just in stitches. And he's like, I want to hang out with that guy. Now, in hindsight... I will never be that funny again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there is a trade-off, I think. I just started doing my own podcast. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I realised at the end of it, like, when doing a podcast, it's probably best to let the crazy moron speak. And I think the only way that I will get by in this business is if I let the crazy moron speak, like in a podcast or in the right environment, just don't let him make any decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that... I mean, I, I feel that a little bit with, with company. I mean, I play around... I, you know, I think I'm actually fairly sane, but who knows? But I play around with that, you know, craziness, because that that's part of what it is. But I felt like doing comedy is a way of just of getting the genie in the bottle. You know, I was just annoying when I was a kid because I was trying to be funny all the time, right? And being on stage allowed me to do everything I wanted to be as silly as I liked on stage and then I could come on stage and be a, and not be that prick you know yeah. so I think if you can if you can actually bottle it and get it get it into a performance exactly and you know the limits of it I think you can play I don't want to really necessarily yeah go on go crazy in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh and now it's spilled out into real the real, and the devil's back and <laughs> I'm talking to the devil people uh, people do worry about me sometimes yeah well you know but it's it just touching but you're but you're you are playing with something I think we you know and I, in my stupid stuff when I when I'm doing the me one versus me two podcast and it's best I don't really remember anything about it afterwards because I've inhabited both of the characters yeah properly and I don't really know what's happened I'm certainly not going to fucking listen back to find out yeah well <laughs> the only the only time it ever gets worrying when you divide the on stage and off stage personas yeah like I mean like even when Stu says uh, Stuart Lee the character yeah. I almost want to say to him <laughs> how's, how's that working out for you <laughs> how's that little fake get out clause <laughs> because really we're speaking from the gut and there's probably more reality uh, more authenticity I heard something great on Doug Stanhope's podcast or I think he was doing Doug Benson's podcast only recently and he said funny thing is like the first night I ever got up and did stand up right uh, I, and I was like this too as well I thought I was going to be a fucking genius I really did at 19 years of age I'd done concerts at school and killed and I was like not liked at school right so that's already a tough crowd that's like oh what's Burns think he's doing and then to get laughs in that environment and then like I would be like at every family gathering they would have me do a bit or a speech or something and that would kill so I thought ah this is gonna be a doddle and uh and so five minutes before I went on and the first words out of my mouth on stage were probably the most authentic I'll ever be. Right? And, uh, and this is what Stanhope said. It was the most authentic I'll ever be. It failed miserably. <laughs> and then I learned how to like, develop a mask. And then the next you know, 20 or so years are devoted to trying to eventually... I mean, first five years, you're just learning how to kill. That's all you want to do. And then after you know, killing becomes easy... That means do well at comedy. It's not, that's not the first... The first five years, you're yes, murderers. 
This is why I struggle with letting go of ambiguity. <laughs> the next 15 years, you're just getting over it, trying to forget about the victims. And then around, yeah, and then, you know, and I think, and maybe like, uh, I think anyone thoughtful or, 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 or generally as well, someone that's always been a fan of the art, uh, somewhere around the 10-year mark, there's a malaise mm -hmm. where you are just like, ah, what are these people fucking laughing? Like, <laughs> I tried to go back to the circuit this year and it's gotten thinner-skinned and dumber and I just, I can't do it. I, I lack that skill of just Sharons and Tracys of just, I'm getting married, I'm going to get fucked in a bin. Aren't you? <laughs> just like, fuck you, Tracy, and you're... You should never have to perform comedy in front of people that are wearing hats that require electricity. <laughs> <laughs> and you should never have to perform comedy in front of people that don't understand that joke. <laughs> uh, and then somewhere uh, along the way, yeah, you're just, you're just trying to find something. You're just trying to find something that... that the, 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 we return to the idea of like funny as a language and you're just trying to find people that speak your language that, that just get you. Mm -hmm. I, think you like, I think you're one of the pioneers of this with the online content. You're certainly in the forefront of podcasting in the UK, aren't you? Yeah, but that's but the, what I like about podcasting is that you can, it's, you, you've got the autonomy to do whatever you want. So however stupid it is and however wrong it is as well. So I think you can make mistakes. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to... When I first... The Meaning of Life podcast I do, which is like a stand-up and sketch podcast, on the first episode of it, I kind of realised I've made loads of mistakes. I've tried to learn this and I don't have an autocue and I haven't I had time to learn it. Uh, and, you know, I, if that had been a TV pilot, I'd have been thinking, oh, I mean, A, I'd have, had a, I'd have had an all cue. But if it had been a TV pilot, I would have been thinking, oh, fuck, this is a disaster because this isn't what I want it to be. Yeah. But they'll never let me make any more. But I was thinking, that's all right, I'm making five more. We'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get there by the, well, the third one. The podcast will evolve yeah, into yeah. what so, it's going to so be. So the first one, like, people go, and, that, and it's interesting because people will say to you, oh, I, didn't, I heard the first meaning of life, I didn't like it. And I go, okay, that's fine. I don't think it was that good. But, you know, you're not tuned into it yet. But when I did As It Occurs to Me, the first couple of episodes, I was nervous, I was getting it wrong, and people were going, oh, this is terrible. But then, so, you know, you, you're allowed to carry on. And a lot of comedy, I think, is just being allowed to carry on with it. And, and TV really doesn't let you do that very much. Interestingly, in America, they seem to be doing that more with sitcoms and things. They'll give it, like, Parks and Recreation is one of my favourite sitcoms. The first series of it is not terrible but it's not good it's not good no and it's just it hasn't found itself and it hasn't, it's worked, out what it, it hasn't worked out what it weird. works but they let it carry on and they have such a on. massive marketplace yeah, yeah. there but that I mean they're light years ahead in terms of online content yeah there are a lot of guys that really just write their own yeah like uh, Doug Benson does a podcast about movies yeah and he goes and travels around the country and fills a room does his podcast and then does a stand up show afterwards right and no one gets in his way. Yeah. Doug Stanhope, when he came here, and dear, oh, I fucking love this. And uh, have I got news for you? Have you seen that video online? Have I got news for you? Wrote him uh, a, a letter saying, we are uh, interested in viewing Doug's availability. We would like eight complimentary tickets. And he did, he's never heard of Have I Got News For You. And he goes, the one thing I know about my audience is they are fucking broke. You fucking coked up media cunts. Fuck you, you pay. You want to know my availability? Not available. Not available. And every, I don't, I, 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 I imagine every comic in the world watches that and goes, 
God, I'd love to say that. <laughs> God, I'd love to get myself in that position. Yeah, but you, but you can do it now. I mean, you've got to, you've still got to work at it, but you can do it because you're in charge. You, you know, you, you can be in charge of what you're, you're, you're putting out and you don't have to work. I mean, the thing is, though, TV certainly helps. As I'm saying, there's 100 comedians out on tour when you, you're going to be on tour in the new year. In February, I'm February. doing anything but comedy clubs. Right, okay. So maybe like some comic book shops. Yeah. A uh, uh, couple of indie music rooms. A guy came to see me at the Free Fringe this year. Free Fringe, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know that your listeners, uh, how far it reaches, but yeah. at the Edinburgh Festival, there's a new kind of fringe on the fringe where, and I was very apprehensive going into it, uh, of the idea is that people will pay you what they think you're worth at the end of it. And I kind of, uh, I've done the festival for two decades, and I kind of finally figured it out that, like, people go, why do comics spend so much money up there? Why do they lose so much money? How does this happen? And then you look around and you see, like, a guy you've never heard of and you'll see a billboard with his face on it declaring him a fucking genius. And that's why people spend all that money is so that you can delude yourself you're famous for a month. And I've done it. I've done the big venues and people call me Mr Burns and people come up and ask for my photo and they, you know, and then and you go home and then you just, and no one calls you Mr. Burns anymore. <laughs> it turns you not fame. It turns out you're not famous, and you owe twenty fucking grand. <laughs> and everyone goes, "There's always a bit of a a, a depression after Edinburgh." No <laughs> fucking wonder. <laughs> and then this time around, it was just me. I didn't. I, I didn't hand out a single flyer. I didn't talk a single person into the room. My venue was impossible to find. It actually wasn't at the, the address that it was listed at. Seriously, you'd go to the address, then there was an alleyway that was a dead end, and then a piss-stained alleyway off another piss-stained alleyway, and then you turn left and right, and then David Bowie asked you a riddle, and then... <laughs> So by the time the audience turned up, there was nothing but die-hard fans and they were already excited. Yeah. And, and I didn't have... Anytime anyone sat there with folded arms, I would just go, give me 20 pounds or get the fuck up. I, I, I didn't have a single argument with a punter. Because I, I agree with people in that marketplace. If you see a comic, then you could have seen 3,000 comedians and you fucking hate the guy. And it costs you 15 pounds. And it's also, you are so conspicuous. Like, if you're hating this, it's pretty dark. You can wander out. But if you're locked in a room with me and this annoying voice <laughs> for like an hour yeah. and saying, you know, rather ill-informed shit about everything and nothing that I have no right to be talking about, <laughs> and you are locked in there for two, two, you know, for an hour, and it's a 200-seater, and if you get up to walk out, uh, 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 you know, everyone's going to notice and you spent 15 pounds and there was 3,000 other shows you could have seen. Anytime someone comes up to me afterwards and goes, fuck you, I fucking hated that. It's a little part of me that's on their side. <laughs> I've just, it's like, I saw Spider-Man 3. <laughs> you know? And if Sam Raimi was in the room when you saw Spider-Man, wouldn't you go, how did you fuck up Venom? <laughs> it was in the books. <laughs> you didn't have to write shit, you prick. <laughs> So you had a good time in Edinburgh. I had a lovely yeah. time. I had a wonderful time. And it was just, I, I videoed the whole thing. I yeah. put content up every day. And I, I didn't hand out a single flyer. Yeah. All I did was, it was me and 5,000 Twitter followers. I think it's definitely the way forward for the Fringe. I mean, it, it's, it was a very interesting year, the Fringe. This, and, and because I, it's diversified into, like, 
the top the TV acts yep. getting you know charging a lot of money and getting an audience and the free fringe getting an audience on the whole not everyone did and then everyone in the middle who's trying to do it the old way struggling the pool that we all used to pull from has diminished yeah because it's all gone to the free fringe yeah well definitely I mean I, the only shows I saw were free fringe shows is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, Did you, and, and the irony is, they're the only ones you pay to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're the only ones you pay because yeah, everything yeah. else you've got to pass to. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something beautiful in saying to, you know, a room full of people at the end of it, you know, and 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 I I, I look forward to going to work every day. I actually looked forward to going to work every day, and every day was just, it was just people that spoke my language, and it was just, it sounds vain to. To go like, oh, I was killing. But, but I say that from the perspective, I don't always kill. You know, I, <laughs> see? <laughs> you know, I'm not for everyone. It's a 50, when I go on the road or I'm, I'm speaking to people that aren't there to see me, it's a 50-50 shot at best. I'm not for everyone. And so to kill every night and then say to that audience, you know what, if you are in pain from laughing, you know, pay me what that's worth. Pay me what that's worth to you because I'll be honest, finding people that speak my language is absolutely priceless to me you are completely invaluable and um you know and sometimes someone would walk by and go i fucking hated it i'm not giving you shit and i'm like cool deal don't come back don't want to see you again and <laughs> i have freakish facial recognition so don't fucking try <laughs> i actually do dear would you recognize anyone who didn't uh, like your show but is, is even anyone... if they were wearing a, a false mustache like that uh, no, as long as people are where i left them <laughs> like, he, like he's been before you have haven't you I've seen you before yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's been see yeah, he, always, he always sits in the front row yeah yeah he's a front row guy so <laughs> yeah. I, it's true front row people I recognise to the extent I'm, the joke is I'm so painfully unfamous I recognise the audience yeah I'm so painfully unfamous I know the names of Andy McCage and, uh, oh, I, actually, really? I, can't, I can't name most of them I know their jobs their butler, there's a butler there uh, so, I, the, the, the recognition comes down to as long as they are where I left them geographically yeah but I, uh, I actually recognise a guy who keeps getting dragged along by his friends <laughs> in an attempt to convert him who fucking hates me. <laughs> and every time without, he'll sit there with folded arms and he's like pushing his eyes in the back of his skull. He's going, when will this convict cunt shut the fuck up? And every third or fourth joke, his mates will nudge him and go, how about now? And he's like, nah, still fucking hate him. And the thing is, and then eventually I'll go, hang on, you're the guy that hates me. And then he pisses himself laughing. <laughs> so I can't dismiss him as having no sense of humour because, get this, I've seen him laugh at his own discomfort five times now <laughs> and wait for it at two DVD recordings. <laughs> <laughs> That's commitment! That is. That is. Uh, how sensitive are your nipples? Uh, they used to be. Do they? But everything's kind of... Like, as as I did older. a lot of fucking in the 90s. Right. And a lot of fucking, a lot of... Cocaine, a yeah. lot of mushrooms. And did the, the what, you got, you got your nipples squeezed so much they lost their sensitivity. <laughs> all my erogenous stuff has yeah. kind of fucked really? off. Well, that happens. I'm a bit numb. But my, my nipples have never been uh, sensitive. And, I, and I, 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 I just wondered whether that was normal. Well, I, should, I could way. go to a doctor, but what I'm going to do is just ask everyone <laughs> from now on about their nipples, well, including at, the women. Look at this way. You're no longer a slave to the temptations of the road. No, well, I'm not, no, but I, that's... But I never was from the nipple perspective. It was never, it was never the nipples that were attracting. I'm thinking, can't wait to get out of this no, gig no, and have no. my nipples tweaked. Because like, if that happened, I'd just go, no, no, it's not really doing anything for me. <laughs> my, wife, 
My wife's hilarious as well because I toured Australia with Mick Foley, who's a WWE wrestler, right? And uh, the first thing she said was, uh, she goes, now listen, when you're touring across Australia, you're not going to get sucked in by all those groupies, are you? And I was like, honey, I, I'm flattered that you see the remnants of Handsome, <laughs> but it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. I'm not pretty. Uh, this, is, this, I, this face is not age. I used to be fucking gorgeous. It was, I did, seriously. I, there was a time I could ejaculate mice and you would cut your clit off to make a happy hat for them. Right? And... Uh, you were, you were a good-looking young I man. I was fucking sexy. Anyway, I know I'm, I'm very rough-looking now. I've not well, aged well. There's a sexiness to that. But, I, yeah, I, but I don't... I was discussing this with my uh, taxi driver in Belfast. Uh, that I, it just what, you, you used to be pretty? <laughs> I, you used to be pretty. See, remember how pretty Brendan Bush used to be? I bet he's not getting anything now. I, you know, like 10 years ago, people were... Would, uh, there would be at least a temptation. Oh, you but and now, Stu were like rock, but now, rock gods. But now there's no one... No one even, like, no. chances or, there are. No one. Or it's if you discuss being happily married, yeah. there will often be a young pretty girl's ego yeah. that immediately like comes up afterwards for the signing or whatever and does the flick of the hair of like, I could get him. And you're like, yeah, thanks, thanks for the offer of ruining my fucking life. <laughs> for, you know, I don't have the sexual prowess I once had, so it'd be 15 seconds of disappointment for both of us. <laughs> And then everything I know and love would uh, disappear. Uh, apparently, because you've got nice hair. That, that's a fucking deal. I wouldn't mind if they did it. They don't. I, I wouldn't get. I just would like them to come up. They don't do that to me anymore. They don't come up and even bother trying that. Do you talk I'd about being like, happily married? I, I, I do. Yeah, and talk about all sorts of things. All like my happiness, Maybe. my personal life, and they don't, ah. they're not. In, they've lost interest. Ah, 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 ah! It's because your nipples have gone numb. So you've. <laughs> You, my friend, former comedy rock god, because you were, in the 90s, you and Stu were pretty much the closest we had to it, right? You did, they were, weren't they? Right, there there are some ladies here past their prime that remember. That not in a bit too enthusiastic there for my liking. I must admit, there are some younger women here going, I don't, I was a child. (laughs) I just like podcasts. (laughs) Big into fish. But even I was googling Harry. Even eight eight years ago, eight years ago, girls were interested in me, and now they're not. I'm, no, I'm that, my friend, girls. I've got, to, I've got to clarify that in the here's, current environment. Here's what I'm women putting to you. Me. Here's what I'm putting are. to you: is with yeah. your dulled nipples. They were always dull. Okay, listening. your sex radar yeah. is off. Yeah, it is. So you don't notice. Oh no, it's not. It's just when no, you get I'm, hit on. I'm not giving. I'm not giving it out anymore. You You're not giving it out, but you probably don't spot it. No. I'm not, you know, I'm not in I used to be a slave to it, yeah. so I still am aware of the da. <laughs> well, I was, but it's got, you know, it's just, it's, I don't, I'm glad it's gone. I don't miss That's it. That's fucking awesome. I just, Young men, trust me, I a diminished wish... libido is the greatest thing that will ever fucking really? happen. Get a barbecue. <laughs> It's fucking great, isn't it? I was thinking of uh, researching my family tree the other day. That's yeah, so, uh, so uh, Who needs erections? <laughs> Who needs erections? I don't yeah. even like... I don't find young girls attractive anymore. No. I don't. There's no story there. Uh, Again, like, should we just should like, we clarify what we mean by how, how young girls did you used to find attractive? No, because that would like, be a fucking. They, your fresh of, face means nothing to me. There's no be, yeah. fucking story. I prefer someone that's been around the block a bit, that's all. I, what? You're not the same age as her. <laughs> fucking get over it. I, I can't even masturbate to teen porn. 
I can't. You know, like barely legal teeth. Nothing turns me off faster than a guy in my age standing over like a 19-year-old girl. He's got his dick in her mouth. She's still got hope in her eyes. Right? <laughs> me. I have to type in MILF. <laughs> You're like Rob. Rob Delaney's very uh, similar in that respect. Is he? What he does, he, he was saying, you know, he likes real, uh, real women. And hairy women, yeah. Hairy? Yeah. Yeah, whatever You're happens to them. excited about that. You've been growing... <laughs> your eyebrows did raise. Your bodily hair, especially. You did give something away there. <laughs> I must admit, you went, and hairy, and raised your eyebrows and went, notice these are full. <laughs> There's no plucking there. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Enjoy being young while it lasts. That's my advice to you. I'll ask you I'll <laughs> Is ask... that what we were saying? Yeah. Enjoy being young because you're, turn... you're turning funniest... to two old fucking fuckers like That this. was the funniest non-summation. Yeah. <laughs> All we're trying to say is Enjoy. swans are cunts. <laughs> they fucking are. They are. <laughs> fucking look at them. They like they look. They look. They act like they know that to bother them is treason, <laughs> and they don't have any natural predators. I fucking when I'm down in the West Country, one guy was like, "Oh, they'll break a man's arm in half," uh, and I'm like, being an Australian, I'm like, "I'll fuck a swan up," <laughs> and then I tried to knock one out. This, this was the night I invented the drink called the Flaming Bernsey. <laughs> and it's basically ouzo and tequila and you like, put it in your mouth and then set it on fire. And, uh, and then it, someone told me about like swans being, you know, bothering swans being treason. So it was about 5am. So I, I go down to the lake outside the, the bar where I was working in Exeter and there's swans everywhere and they were fucking just... It's like they're leading with their chin. <laughs> they just look like... Don't, doesn't anyone else want to... Don't you see a swan, you just want to punch it in the fucking head and just like go, look out! You're fucking asking for it! It's no bird should... Like, birds should be like this. <laughs> Swans are just like, yeah, fucking protected by the queen, you cunt. Come on! They're cocky. So I went down and come try and knock one out. I, ge I genuinely did. See, I told you I'll never be this funny again. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the lake, I took my shoes off and the lake was filled with swan piss and I cut my foot. And then, because I got drunk, I went to bed. <laughs> Didn't get a swan. And then woke up the next morning with an infected foot and I had to go into a pharmacy and go, what do you get for, like, swan piss? <laughs> and this fucking... <laughs> and a group of people, people suddenly gathered. And for some reason, I felt really naked because I had my foot out. Because, and it was the West Country, and sure enough, everyone went, oh, you're bothering a swan, that's treason. <laughs> and it's like, they'll break a man's arm, you know. I'm like, I fucking know! I kind of enjoy that anecdote because I found your West Country accent very offensive. <laughs> It's about as good as your Aussie. <laughs> I did an impression of Brendan Burns in the introduction. Oh, I'm Brendan Burns. That's quite good. Uh, so that's much better. I like showering. Are you ever mistaken for uh, a celebrity, another different celebrity than you are? Than I am. Yeah. Are you ever mistaken? Because I'm mistaken for Charlie Borman all the time and sometimes Brad Pitt. Uh, Charlie Borman, I can see Charlie Borman in there. And Brad Pitt. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so Loads there, of Brad Pitt. Is there any. That, I think I'm when, amazed that you're not picking up on your Brad Pitt radar on your nipples. <laughs> exactly. But when you're sort of semi recognisable, as you and I, I think, are, 
Don't you get mistaken for other people? I'm trying to think who you would look like. Uh, as a kid, yeah, uh, I was mistaken all the time for Ferris Bueller. Really? I was the spit. I, as a young man, right. uh, to the extent where when I first came to England, and this is back when, you know, this is, the, I think, early 80s, and England wasn't particularly aware of Australia, so people would often think you were American. Okay. When uh, you came over, people would ask for my autograph. Wow. As Ferris Bueller. As a fictional character. That's yeah. how yeah, stu- yeah. <laughs> stupid the English people were. Yeah, <laughs> I, I looked a lot like Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, yeah. Not anymore. I used to look like... Uh, I used to look a bit... No. I used to look a little bit like Michael J. Fox. I once... Did you? Especially to Japanese people, but I think that's because, you know, they... They are racist. Yeah. They are very racist. Well, I, I had a... Jap- no, you go to China. Wow, they don't mind being racist at all. <laughs> you go to China with Ross Noble, who has green eyes. Yeah. Right. Oh! oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they don't know what to fucking make of him. Because he has green eyes, which is very valued, and he looks kind of Chinesey. So, is that a racist word in England? <laughs> is it? I think it's all right, Chinesey. Uh, yeah, he has an Asian-y face, and so... I'm Asian-y here. is not allowed. Isn't it? Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, Chinesey's fine, but... <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Oriental is a slur in America? Yeah, well... Yeah. They get very upset. Rightly so. Uh, why? Because they're not from the Orient. They're from Asia. Yeah, but then it gets kind of fucking... Because here, Asian is Pakistani and Indian. Yeah. And Whereas in Australia, Asian is China and Malaysia and all that. Yeah. Very confusing. Getting a very. Uh, I just loved going down this road to watch the English guy swear. <laughs> what the fuck's he going to say now? Uh, and uh, so yeah, so they will like. I was we, Ross Noble and I years and years ago we were in Shanghai, and people just like had no problem just like crossing the street to really get like move his head and get a good look at him. <laughs> And so, you know, because he's got the green eyes, they just fucking look at that. He's Western, but a bit Asian y. And they just, they, they don't, they'll have a gawk. Yeah. They'll have a point. Didn't feel like having to get the Chinese accent, I noticed that you're happy to do the West Country as if that's a comedy thing that's all right to do, but. Thought, I can't oh, no, do Chinese. I'm gonna steer I can do away. Vietnamese. Mao, mao, mao. Okay. <laughs> I'm touring Asia uh, in uh, November. Yeah. One thing you learn when you're in Asia, better have some Asian jokes. <laughs> they fucking love it. If you don't, they're very upset. It, this was when I... I think I'm running into trouble in England because I keep my liberal white dickhead in check, right? And people confuse that with conf- conservatism. But my liberal white dickhead is like... Liberal white dickhead, often we all, like, we all keep our j- bigotries in check, sure, as we should. But liberal white dickhead is rarely self-aware. Condescension is rarely self-aware. No one really checks themselves on that. And I was in, I was in Singapore, and it was, I was uh, the only white guy on the bill. As a matter of fact, I was pretty much the only white guy in the room. And, uh, and throughout Asia, they have jokes and stereotypes about one another we're not remotely party to. Of course we're not, but they're very similar to the ones you have in Europe, like they do from state to state in America, right? And it's just, it's, so there's, everyone's having a blast, and it's like the Japanese are shitting on the Cantonese, the Cantonese are shitting on uh, the, the, the Singlish, and the Singlish is shitting on the Japanese back, and everyone's shitting on the Malays, and apparently the Malays can go fuck themselves. I don't even know what that's about. They're like the Latvia of Asia. If you ever go to Europe, Latvia's down the bottom rung. It's like the Swedes shit on the Finns, the Finns shit on the Estonians, the Estonians shit on the Latvians, and you go to Latvia and you go, who do you make fun of? And they go, we kick our dogs, right? <laughs> we don't get to make fun of anyone. 
So they're absolutely killing. Every comedian is Asian and they're absolutely killing. And the whole room's having a blast. And liberal white dickhead here was up the back of the room just going, oh, no, 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 This is racist. You're all Asian. And that's when I went, oh, yeah. I think I might have caught myself in something there. So then I got up and told him that that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I got beat up. <laughs> you're all Asian-y. That's what you said. That's what you're going to trouble. Look, so I got to do the voice. Just don't pull the face. <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're not remotely upset. <laughs> so I've got some new emergency questions. Have you? Yeah, this one won't work for you. This last, uh, if you had to choose uh, between these two, would you rather date a man who was a six-foot penis with a face. He could wear, like, a suit to look like a man, so he'd have a... He puts false shoulders on, but he's basically just a six-foot penis. So what, what do I have to do wait, with him? Put him in? Date, so you have to date him. Well, I'll you know, date, date him. him. Just date. I thought date. you said sex. Well, that might be part of the date, if you get on well. Or... It's just a date. Yeah. Well, it's not have... really much of a dilemma. <laughs> well, you haven't heard the other half yet. Or would you? Would well, you you're not rather, throwing down with would that? Would you rather have sex with, after having a date with you have to with a man who's a six foot tall penis who's got pretend shoulders and a suit? I'm just saying, as, as a conundrum, it's not particularly challenging. <laughs> well, you haven't had the second half yet. I'm going out for dinner. You haven't, and then you've got to have sex. with... Who doesn't love to eat? You've got to have sex with the penis man. There's fucking loads to talk about. Or mate, what's with your cock for a body? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I picked the first one. <laughs> wait. I think that's a night out. Wait, wait till you hear the second that's one. That's a very, very interesting man. Or He's all cock. Or this one, a man who instead of a penis has a tiny man. There instead. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> that's a tiny man. Yeah, tiny man. It's a different man. It's not, it's not, they're not connected anywhere apart from... He's like, he's not, you know, he's grown. There's not been taken from somewhere and, and re- been grafted on. He's growing out of the man. Well, I have to ask another question. Yeah. Are we about to talk, you know, are we allowed to talk about it immediately? <laughs> or is it a social faux pas to go, mate, what's up with your mate? That's a cock. <laughs> I think you would only find out about the tiny man once you got into the bedroom with, in that case. I, don't, I think the guy would... He'd look like a normal... But I don't want to go. Well, you don't know yet. You might no, be happy. No, no. You might like look, him. If you, if you ask me out dinner yeah. and say, look, mate, we got, so it's a date, is it? Yeah. It's a date yeah. with a view for sex. Yeah. You'd expect that to be brought up again before... Someone's just I'm having saying, to... Look, I, so, look, I didn't mean if, to bring it up. If, that, is that, yeah. if that's your problem, uh, you I'm just, have that. I'm just thinking it through, mate. <laughs> All right, you don't have to leave. Yeah, on the date, if you were that guy... If you I think were... if he puts it in a personal ad yeah. and says, look, j- just dinner, but I've got, I've, I've got a mate, right? <laughs> and he's actually me cock. Yeah. And he's where my cock would be. But it's actually a, a, a fully functioning talking man. <laughs> I, I'm an inquisitive person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, got, that's piqued my interest. <laughs> I'm intrigued by that. This is intriguing. As opposed... Uh, you, I think probably... The man with the man for a cock. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Why? Go on. Because uh, I think the boat that's all cock would probably just be too impulsive. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? He's a bit of a beast of instinct. Yeah. Not a lot of conversation there. That's true. Yeah. And if he gets too excited... (laughs) 
That's dinner can, ruined. That'll put. <laughs> just say, you know, well, or improve. I have restaurants I like to go back to. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think if I go in there with the bloke that's all cock and things get be exciting, he starts fucking shooting off everywhere. Yeah. And then it ends up like that scene from Monty Python where it's instead of vomit, it's just yeah. great big all man cock come yeah. going across the curtains. A lot. Of no matter how good my relationship is with a restaurateur, yeah. it's going to be a good month. Yeah. From a loud. And back. a lot of chefs don't even like it if you add salt to their meal. So. No. Exactly. Excuse me. <laughs> this is lacking in cum. <laughs> I like a zinky aftertaste. How the fuck does he know? <laughs> And I couldn't work out whether the tiny man yeah. would just replace the penis and there would still be testicles in, in there. Oh, so underneath. That'd be, see, that would make it worse, yeah. wouldn't it? Uh, so for, the, for the guy. There. Well, for the guy, because also... Balls stink. Well, they stink. And also, during the day, he's just in some pants with that, with some balls. And he's just... And I'm guessing the guy who's got him in there isn't kind of thinking, oh, I'll lay, I'll lay you out in a considerate fashion. You're just wrapped up there however you fall, aren't you? And sometimes you just, you'll be all bent around, there's a ball in your eye hole. It wouldn't be nice, even if you, even if you find a, you know, even if you could fit right down the side of the trouser leg, it's still not going to be, it's still not going to be fun. Down. The times you're not let free are going to be, I feel sorry for that guy. That's why I don't think I could date that guy. Because I feel you, sorry for the tiny guy. Do you feel sorry for the tiny guy? The, he's the a delight! He's a party trick! He's the fucking he's human being. He's the popcorn joke for real. <laughs> he is. He I is. know, but the one in your popcorn's eating me. No, all right. You got another joke? Oh, tell him the joke. My oh, my Give wife that, told me the joke. cutest paedophile joke. Right? <laughs> I know that sounds like a misnomer, but this is actually adorable. Is a little boy. He uh, begins with a little boy, always does, eh? Uh, a little boy, he lives near a motorway services and he, find a, he finds a welder's helmet. I'll have to talk through some of the visuals of this for the podcast, obviously. He it's finds a welder's helmet. Well, so he, uh, he pops on the welder's helmet, he's playing around with it, right? A uh, trucker drives by and he goes, hey, wh uh, where do you live? He goes, oh, a couple of minutes up the road. And he goes, uh, do you want a lift? And the little boy goes, yeah, sure. So he's sitting in the car and then the trucker like goes, so, do you know what, uh, do you know what sodomy is? And the little boy goes, nah. And the drug goes, do you know what, do you know what buggery is? And the little boy goes, nah. He goes, do you know what a paedophile is? And the little boy takes off the helmet and goes, look, mate, I've got to be honest, I'm not a real welder. <laughs> Isn't that the most adorable paedophile joke? Well, out of all the paedophile jokes, uh, out, of yeah, yeah, paedophile yeah. Jokes. out of all of the paedophile jokes. That is the jokes. most adorable paedophile joke. It is. It's really cute. And then the truck driver rapes the boy. <laughs> no, no, the truck driver then is uh, seeing as he's been addressed in such an adult fashion. Yeah. Obviously, that turns him off. Okay. And just drops the kid home and he lives happily ever after. Oh. No rape in that. What if the truck driver has a tiny man for a penis? <laughs> well, then all bets are off. <laughs> it would be very confusing. Right, well, look, um, we're going to have to... Uh, you've done a joke. We, after an hour, you've done one joke. And that is... That's how I roll, ladies and gentlemen. If you go and see you on tour in uh, Curry House or where... In so where, where's, your, where's your... It's in February, but yeah. uh, if you want to stay in touch, you can go to the brendanburnshow.com website and there's loads of content. 
and there's a podcast out now. Are you called? Is your website called the Brendan Burns Show dot com because of the Brendan Burns at New Zealand uh, politicians already taken that domain? No, no, is, no. no. I, you, I think I'm the bane of his existence. Is it because the uh, Welsh fine artist has already taken that domain? <laughs> Here's how little my dad and brother, my dad, God rest his soul, my dad and brother understand what I do for a living, right? They were both back in Australia and they were asking me the Google game. And they said, uh, you know, oh, who do you, uh, you know, when you Google me, you know, my dad said, you get this, uh, you get this professor in Minnesota. And my brother goes, yeah, you Google me and you get this, uh, this moose hunter in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Canada. They said, who do you get if you Google you, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> I went, fucking me. <laughs> and they went, ah, fuck off. I went, knowing that, I'm the number one Brendan. <laughs> With an O. With an O, yeah. There's not a lot of competition. How, what number yeah, are Richard you, are you? Are you ever confused with the IRA bomber who blew himself up with his own bomb. He's, he's AN, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. But that is still confusing oh if someone God, says... Oh, my God, that is so are telling. You, are you... <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're still the most famous ON. That is so telling. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, take that, Stephen Fry. <laughs> I'm in ISIS. <laughs> Nearly topped myself once, and I started AIDS. <laughs> I'm the main Richard Herring. There are some other Richard Herrings, but I'm the main one. You're the main one? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right up there. Yeah. There's a Richard Herring who was... Fuck uh, him! Who was in the... Who was uh, murder. He murdered Bonnie Greer Ooh. in America. Really? Yeah. Wow, you really have gone into it. Yeah. <laughs> what other Richard Herrings are there? Uh, there is... There aren't... There's a shoe manufacturer called Richard Herring... Oh, yeah. oh, a shoe shop owner uh, in Devon. There's a Herring Shoes. How about that, Dick Herring? That, you know, there's a Herring Shoes that Charlie Borman advertises. <laughs> no I'm way! Absolutely serious. <laughs> that is why I thought I'm being. I am being. I actually believe I'm in the Truman Show. See? And I really yeah. believe I'm being fucked with because that is like. Who should we get to advertise Herring Shoes? Should we get Richard Herring? No. Let's get a bloke who looks quite like him, though. <laughs> so that'll make him look like a rope. I'm See, not even the go-to bloke with this face. <laughs> <laughs> Advertise shoes with my own name. <laughs> I'm not the go-to bloke with this face. Please entitle this episode that. I'm not, oh my God. So I was in, I was in Belgium uh, on Saturday and there was the spit of Russell Crowe. There was a, a Dutch comedian. Uh, Dutch comedians and Belgian comedians are lovely when you arrive. They're so welcoming because their audiences are horrible. So they are like, oh, hello, funny person. You will laugh when I make joke, right? And I don't know why I made him kind of Chinese. But, <laughs> but this guy was the spit of Russell Crowe. I mean, there's clearly genetic information shared because he also had Russell Crowe's very, you know, signifiable, very recognisable, dulcet tones, but in a pitch-perfect Dutch accent. And he's on stage and he's killing, talking in Dutch. And I walked on and I went, oh, how much is that guy like Russell Crowe? Like, either he's not Russell Crowe or Russell Crowe's just really good. 
they gave me the same response. <laughs> I think it was a better joke. I think it was a better joke. That lift, should, lift have, should have ended on the uh, paedophile joke. That was the, that that worked. That got a good. That was someone else's. It was someone else's joke. You should just do other people's jokes. That's that's the lesson we've learned here today. <laughs> just get your wife to tell you some jokes she's heard in the pub, and then go on stage and tell them. Forget all this. I'll tell you a funny thing. About thing. Once, have I ever said this on the podcast? Oh, you're trying to wrap it up. I am, but go and do it first. <laughs> I am, but I knew it'd be difficult. I'm sorry. It's all right. Yeah, you want to hear this? Yeah, come. Okay, so as you know, I'm partial hearing, right? Yeah. I have a hearing aid. Turns out I've been deaf for years. No one in my industry was surprised. But the straw that broke the camel's back was my wife and I were at the UFC. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of the most anticipated fights in mixed martial arts history, right? And it's just, to, to put in perspective how anticipated it was, 9,000 people turned up to the weigh-in. And it's just American fans and Brazilian fans. And it's just this deafening, gladiatorial fervour. And during the weigh-in, Anderson Silva shoulder, cha- shoulder barged Charles Sonnen in the chin. No one expected it. And the place is just, ah, ah, ah! <laughs> And the commentator goes to interview one of them. And my wife goes, oh, don't start screaming while he's interviewing him. I can't make any of this out. And this is before my hearing aid. And I'm looking at the monitor, clearly, and, I, and I went, he said, Chow doesn't respect the UFC, he doesn't respect MMA, and tomorrow I fight. And then my wife and I are like, holy shit, I can't hear you or my son if you're in the next room because it's so pitch affected. How the fuck did I make that out? And my wife, who is a comic genius, went, that's because you're the only man in this building who has trained his hearing to negotiate the sound of one man laughing in a room full of people booing. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Brendan Burns' wife. Listening to Richard Herring's Swebbuckner with me, Richard Herring, and my guest Brendan Burns. Not that one. Uh, the music was by Pest. Thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide, all the staff at the Leicester Square Theatre, and Chris Evans. He's not even here. Not that one. And all of his team from the Go Faster Stripe Productions. It was produced by Ben Walker. It's a fuzz, Go Faster Stripe, and Sky Potato Production, and a Slytherin production as well. Slytherin help out with it as well. We are evil. I hate Harry Potter. Hope you enjoyed that show. If you did and you would like to help us make more, as I say, just go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges. Make a donation as small or as massive if you want. If you give £100,000, we can make a series of As It Occurs To Me videos straight away. That's what we're aiming towards. Uh, but otherwise, we will get there by hook or by crook, bit by bit. If you like this stuff and want more, then just give a tiny amount of money. There's 150,000 people listening to this. If you all gave a pound a year, we would be laughing. And not because we'd be keeping the money either. We'd be spending it on the internet. That's the kind of crazy dudes we are. Thanks. Bye.